When it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at SolomonBrothers.com, SolomonBrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best. On another exciting entry of Animation Deliberation, we welcome another industry professional for an interview. We welcome Zach Barrick, who is known for being the first transgender actor in an MCU movie with his role in Spider-Man Far From Home. He also stars in the Netflix series Dead End Paranormal Park. We're going to talk about that and much more right after this ad we have no control over. Milk, eggs, butter, and creamer. That wraps up another fridgery stock and more cash earned with Ibotta. No way. I've been avoiding the grocery store all week because I'm dreading how much I'll spend. If you want to get cash back on groceries, online shopping, and any other purchases, try Ibotta. With Ibotta, you earn real cash back, not points. Look, earlier in the year, the average person spent $443 a month on groceries. But right now, thanks to inflation, your basket would cost almost $30 more, $472. Ibotta can help put some money back in your pocket. Over the same period, the average Ibotta user earned more than $61 in cash back. Wow, you've convinced me. Where do I get it? Download the free Ibotta app today and use referral code IHEART to get $5 for trying Ibotta. That's right, $5 just for trying. Ibotta. Cash back. Made easy. That's I-B-O-T-T-A. Ibotta. In the Google Play or App Store. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back to Animation Deliberation. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Scotty St. Clair. I'm Zahar Ali. And with us, we have a very special guest. Zach, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, um, my name is Zach Barrick. I am an actor and voice actor, and I am really, really, really excited to be here. Excellent. I've been itching to talk to a voice actor for a while, so we're very excited that you are here right now. Yeah, well, um, it's it's funny because it's the imposter syndrome of it all, <laughs> where it's like, I did, I've only done like one major animation, am I a voice actor? And it's like, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it takes. <laughs> I mean, you're credited for it, so I guess it's true. <laughs> sure, yeah, surely, surely that counts. And to your credit, you're the first guest to have come prepared with like a professional level microphone. So, <laughs> right on. Yeah, kudos to you there. Makes my editing process a little bit easier. <laughs> good, good. Which is ironic because the last two people we had like work on the back end of things. So you think they'd be a little more with the tech stuff? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I have, I'm all about appearances. This microphone doesn't even work. I just have to <laughs> know what I'm doing. Nice. Um, nice. It's all a ruse. Good stuff. Good stuff. Love it. So we are an animation-focused podcast, so we will obviously be speaking at length about Dead End Paranormal Park. But any of our listeners know that we are also big fans of Marvel and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So wanted to just fire off a couple of questions in regards to your role as Zach in Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah. Cool. H- cool. So I did a little bit of research because I'll be honest, I 
the character, I, is, I think it's fair to say, is a little bit more of a background role. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to find out who exactly this character was. And upon doing my research, I found out that the character's name is Zach Cooper, who is actually a character from comics. He's the brother of Harley Cooper, who was a hero known as Guiding Light. She was an electrical and light-based powered superhero. So I wanted to ask you, is that information that you came across? Or, is, or did you have to do any research for the role? Um, so it was interesting. I got the audition like working while I was working at a production company as a really, really bad and competent intern. Um, I had absolutely no film experience. I just, that was my sort of like one little industry connection was I knew someone who worked for a production company and I was like, well, I'll just intern, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then um, it turns out you have to know how to do things. So thankfully I was in town though. Um, and they sort of were just like, go audition. And they wouldn't tell us anything about the role. All I knew was that it was for Spider-Man. Okay. And so the truth is I got out there. I didn't know what my character was. I didn't know anything. I mean, they lock it down. I read the script once in a room. Uh, and then also things change so much and we go so off the cuff that often the sides we got day of or what we ended up saying were not in the script. So it was okay. very... Um, Part of it was just grabbing your moment and stuff like that, but it was my first job, so I had no clue how any of it worked. Okay. And I was like, oh, this, this is chaos. <laughs> um, so, But it wasn't, you know what I mean? Organized chaos, chaos that sort of had something really beautiful and, um, you know, very um, John Watts-like, you oh, know, an indie director doing a Marvel movie kind of vibe. Sweet. That's awesome to hear because, like, with feige being so good at keeping things under wraps it's interesting hearing hearing like how it is like on the pre-production of it all of just like this is what you're gonna do and we can't tell you why (laughs) (laughs) yeah no exactly Exactly. at least you got to know which movie you were going for it wasn't just surprise you're in a marvel movie (laughs) yeah yeah um it was so interesting because you get all these things and they're all codenamed i think our codename was bosco for Hmm. the whole thing and it always felt so bizarre because, again, my first acting job, and I was like, I don't really know how this works. I don't know how big my role is going to be. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, like you, I, I watched an interview with, uh, I think it was Timothy Chalamet talking about how in um, Interstellar he has this like one monologue, and it was like kind of like he was like, "This is my big thing," and then you don't see his face for most of it, right? Um, and it felt like that, not in a bad way, but it was sort of like, I think this is just being an actor. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but with the complication of talking about being trans in that. So whenever mm-hmm. I was talking about it in interviews, I was like, well, I'm doing what actors do. You know, you pay your dues, you do featured roles, you say a couple lines in a movie. If you're dumb, lucky, like I was, you get to do it in a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it was it was interesting because it was something that, I mean, the conversation of trans representation was in the zeitgeist and it is still and still sure. kind of being worked on. So I had to talk about it. But from my perspective, it was like, well, this was just like, you know, my first job and I was grateful to have been there. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it was interesting in that way and very bizarre and surreal. That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah. 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 Super cool. I'm, I'm definitely... I don't have aspirations to be an actor, but I'm still jealous just that you got to like, be there and experience <laughs> that and be on set. And uh, you mentioned being on location for the shoot. So um, I, I see that you're from Illinois, um, Evanston, mm-hmm. Illinois. I assume that's a suburb of Chicago. 
Yeah, I'm actually from Glenview. Uh, oh, okay. My bio is like, I was technically born in Evanston, and oh, okay. I think that just sort of stuck in my bio at I some see. point. I probably okay. edit that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm from a suburb called Glenview. But yeah, more okay. or less like uh, 15, 20 minutes out of Rogers Park, which is where the city starts on the north side, kind of. Okay. Um, right, right around Evanston. So yeah. Okay. And that's where you're still located? I'm actually LA based now. Oh, no, you're in LA. Okay. Not for school, and that's kind of how I fell into the acting thing, and I just never left. Okay. Uh, but my cool. family is centrally located there. Okay. And I, I see amongst your credits, you're a comedian. So did when you were in Illinois and in around the Chicago area, was that kind of an opportunity for you to cut your teeth a little bit? Or did you wait till you made it out to LA to start that aspect of your career at all? Well, I came out here for college. So okay. I was a performer in high school, like, okay. you know, school theater and stuff, but I didn't start comedy until I was like 20, uh, okay. and so I was out in LA already, which felt very silly because I took a gap year, and I was in Chicago um, around you know 18, 19, and it would have been such a cool place to cut my teeth, but uh, instead I uh, went to a class at USC <laughs> with a professor who taught us not how to have thick skin, and then we all just got up at uh, at a place in Santa Monica and did it, and uh, I found it quite liberating, so I stuck oh, with it, but my right dream on. is to go to Chicago and do some shows because... I'm just getting a few longer ones out here and um, it's really exciting, but it's, um, you know, one of those things where Chicago is one of those places that's famous for it, New York mm-hmm. as well. And you, you kind of think, you know, as much as LA is this beautiful palm tree, you know, uh, riddled place that kind of looks out of a movie when it comes to comedy, like oh, you know, sure. that the other cities are sort of the center points. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anyone you kind of look to as an inspiration coming from the Chicago comedy scene? I, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say the Upright Citizens Brigade is out of Chicago. Well, Second City is their big Second one. Second City. Okay, um, that's the one. Okay. And yeah, I mean, there were so many people that did Second City. It's a little bit hard to name. I mean, oh, sure. uh, a lot of SNL alum. Uh, okay. You know, I think being a fan of SCCTV, like, you know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like Eugene Levy, uh, okay. Catherine O'Hara, like that came out of there. Um, so, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like you get to see people do different types of comedy. I mean, you have the like Amy Poehler, Tina Faiza, who do, you know, a certain type of sitcom. And then you have something completely different in Schitt's Creek. And I think when you come from an improv or live comedy stand, you know, stand or background, you... Um, I mean, there, there's like so much room True. and it creates these incredible genres. Like there's nothing else like what uh, Eugene Levy's done. And I mean, like when you watch Best in Show, the first time I saw that like oh, mockumentary yeah. style, dry, goofy humor, it's like the funniest movie and, and it's aged like beautifully. And it's because the humor is so dry and so absurd that like it can't be bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think there's something really beautiful about that. So yeah, I'm j- I'm a huge fan of a lot of folks who came out of there. Um, cool. Yeah, I think uh, Kumail Nanjiani in The Big Sick was how I learned that Chicago was such a hot spot for comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a phenomenal movie. Yeah, we're mentioning a lot of great ones there. I love The Big Sick. You mentioned Best in Show, but Christopher Guest in general is just awesome. You mentioned uh, <laughs> Best in Show, aging like a fine wine, but even like This Is Spinal Tap is just aged yeah. so well. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Yeah. 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 And all the Christopher Guest stuff is like that. And I, I think I went, did a revisit during the pandemic, uh, mm. during the height of the pandemic when we sort of first went on lockdown because my roommate and I watched all of Schitt's Creek again. And oh, I cool. was just like, 
oh, we got to go back and watch the old stuff, you know? And so it was really wonderful to see like how, and also that like, it really spoke to me about the relationships between actors and comedians mm-hmm. that like, if mm-hmm. you have repartee with someone the way that like Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy do, like you mm-hmm. just, there's something different you get every time you put it together. So. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I, I think comedians are one of the most like versatile actors actually, because you see like, performances from Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler, where they're able to just turn in these incredible dramatic performances that no one ever really saw coming from them. And I, I know from a lot of the like interviews I've heard and, you know, a little behind the scenes snippets in here, here and there, like for comedians, a lot of times the reason they're able to tap into that and what kind of makes them so funny and why people can relate to them so much is because they're actually like tapping into like a certain kind of sadness and, and tragedy a little bit. And they're able to make mm-hmm. light of that. And that's kind of how they process and cope can you relate to to that at all with your own experiences yeah so when I first started stand-up I was really struggling with finding a not voice like I love talking and I find it easy to make light of myself but I Mm. didn't want my whole shtick to be as much as I love being Jewish and that it is definitely part of my personality Mm. I was like I can't make the whole thing at my detriment (laughs) um or if I do, I want it to be subversive in some capacity. Um, and if I'm really lucky, transgressive, um, you know, something punching up, you know. And, and I found that the first time it really clicked was our, our professor, um, Judith Shelton, who's a wonderful comedian uh, based in L.A. She um, suggested we write something coming born of a painful memory. Mm. And it was like all of a sudden something clicked. Um, and I got to talk about, you know, I just like a messy divorce, you know, messy parents divorce, like stuff sure. like that, you know, um, drug addiction, like all the things that felt really true to the way I grew up and stuff like mm. that. And, um, and it felt like empowering, but more than that, I kind of enjoyed seeing that, uh, you could give other people permission to laugh at things. Mm. You know, I, I think we see a lot of discourse about folks saying things that, whatever folks are like, Oh, I don't, I don't like walking on eggshells. And it's like, the interesting thing is you can give people permission to laugh at things they didn't think they could laugh at that are almost like uplifting in a weird way. Like, sure. I, I like being able to tell people, Oh, it's really funny that a guy came up to me in the subway and asked me which slur I prefer as a transport. It was the funniest thing. Oh, ever wow. yeah. No one will ever do anything funnier. Wow. And if I just did the story to someone without the context of being in comedy, you'd be like, Oh, well, that's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And, right. Yes, of course. But on some level, you can't write something like that. Like, you know, I was was a couple months on testosterone, like I didn't pass, but I had a deep voice and this guy just like couldn't make sense of it. And he was like, I just want to ask you if you prefer homo or like lesbian. I was like, this is all insane. And also, I hate you because there's nothing funnier than that. Like there's absolutely nothing. (laughs) Like, where do you think fits you best? So it's one of those things, like, we're laughing not at trans people when I tell that story. We're laughing at a man who has the audacity to do that. Right. And his his genius Mm -hmm. comedic timing. But we also, you know, that's the thing we want to laugh at. We don't want to laugh at, you know, so I I find that very empowering. And I think it's so fun to like be observational because you don't have to try hard to find it um, when it comes to any marginalized group. So, yeah. That's one of my favorite things about uh, like Trevor Noah and Russell Peters is because they're just very blunt with cultures and stuff. And while they do make fun of, like, I guess, stereotypes, ethnicities, and cultures, it's like you're also learning a lot about it. So Mm. at the same time, it's like you're being informed, but you're having a good laugh about it at the same time. And I was actually talking to 
a host from one of our uh, sibling podcasts the other day because we've been covering Miss Marvel every week on their show, the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And he was like, is it offensive when I do the accent? Or we were like worried about like other people doing like uh, a Pakistani or Indian accent. And I was like, no, like when people do it, it doesn't bother me because they know me. They've had conversations about me. Literally, this whole podcast is talking about Pakistani culture. So it's like if we've had that relationship and that dialogue of like understanding and knowing where I'm come for, crack all the jokes that you want, because I know it's not coming out of ignorance. It's coming out of, you know, fair play. So it's interesting hearing that in other perspectives, because obviously I'm not going to crack jokes about stuff like that. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah. So the 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 one that I always use as an example is, um, we. I'm trying to think of the exact context, but I I was talking to my roommates and we were watching like, I think it was like Drag Race or something, and someone was wearing like a false nose to do a Barbara Streisand impression. Okay. And we were just joking about how like it it wasn't big enough to be funny. It okay. was too big to like. We were like it was funny because we were unpacking the like what size of nose is offensive and then you have to go almost bigger to be less offensive. Like it was so interesting to talk with like people about like the dynamics of, <laughs> mm. of, of, of taking pot shots at a community. And it's like, well, the funny thing about it is making fun of people making fun of it. You know what I yeah. mean? There's like sort of an aspect of comedy that allows you to take the piss out of like the, um, the persecutor as opposed to the persecuted that oh, I great. love. Yeah. So, that is kind of the interesting thing, huh. is, but it takes like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then also, yeah, developing relationships and, and making sure everybody in the room consents to like certain things. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? That's kind of part of it as well, because I think it makes us all really comfortable and then it does, you know, create humor and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, or just like one of my friends will always be like, do you think they treat you that way? Cause you're Jewish and it'll have nothing to do with that. And I find <laughs> that so funny. And like, again, like some loved ones or someone would be like, why would you say that? And I'm like, Oh, cause it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's funny. <laughs> right. Right. You know, so, you know, either yeah. everyone laughed and it was funny or it made everyone uncomfortable. And that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly, yeah. And I personally relish that. I love a room that goes quiet. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> that's awesome yeah i can see why you could find the the comedy scene so liberating so that's, <laughs> I, I really appreciate the healthy perspective and just the kind of dissection there it's already been a super interesting conversation but um i do want to pivot a little bit to the, the show that we're here to talk about in addition to your career dead end paranormal park and i wanted to ask you it was really interesting to find out how the role in spider-man far from home for lack of a better term, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it almost kind of like fell in your lap in, 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 in some ways. Yeah, it did. So I got, I found out about this uh, manager who worked with trans people through a roommate who knew someone who worked with her. And I met her once and like would send her just emails being like, if you have anything. And at the time she didn't have any transmasculine actors so mm. every few months I'd get something and um you know she wasn't my official manager so I didn't get much so every time I went out for something I was like you gotta put your heart into it um and I just wasn't getting anything and then like I said it yeah I just was in town at the right time um, okay and you know and 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 on one level it so fell on my lap I mean what are the odds you know right and on some level also like I'm so glad I was persistent with her but sure. I have I have to say, like, that is about as much 
as it could fall on anybody's lap. So yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Oh yeah, you, you obviously did the legwork, but uh, with that in mind, I, I just wanted to ask like <laughs> this this role with with Dead End Paranormal Park, the role of Barney Gutman. It's it's obvious that you know you've mentioned being Jewish, uh, being trans. Like you obviously relate to this character in, in numerous ways. Was this something you pursued? Was this something that was offered to you? Were you familiar with the source material? How did that all kind of shake out? So, I read. So I I heard about the comics because my agent Sam Frischman, who's uh, mensch and like the best, like was really championing me for championing me for. <laughs> um, role he sort of reached out and was like I really want you to get this okay and I read it uh the breakdown and I was like yeah me too (laughs) you know I mean you see Netflix and you're like yeah I gotta do this sure um and obviously the relationship between animation and Netflix has shifted some since then yeah but um it is like it was a project that just like I couldn't possibly have said no to uh partly because I'm not really saying no to work ever, but also because, um, because it was so different than the other trans stuff I'd read. And I was like, okay. well, if I'm going to be doing projects where I'm trans, I want them to be nuanced and interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and um, so it was neat because I got to read something that felt really fresh where like, the plot of being trans was instrumental in strictly it felt like I mean on a metal or on like a you know out big picture level maybe being a sympathetic straight man that people could relate to um where which is such a tactful way to get people to sympathize and humanize trans folks because you're not necessarily beating them over the head with it although you might be entitled to given Mm -hmm. the state of things but you're not, right. you're just sort of being like, oh, isn't it crazy that this is the audience surrogate? You know, mm. like this person, like, hey, it's really crazy that we're fighting demons and maybe we don't need to go to hell right now. Um, you know, <laughs> and, and so like it was, that was really interesting to me. And then I read the comics right after and and I fell in love with them and Hamish as well, who writes them, um, mm. is like brilliant. And I was just pretty much blown away with the way it approached i mean if i without spoiling anything from the books but like because they are different than the show but okay there's so much um and i've never like confirmed with hamish that this was the intention but so much that feels like you know the victors write the history books like uh class like unpacking class and like the way that we perceive good and evil and mm. um and there's something very queer about that as well because demons and queerness have often been paired in media so like mm, sure. it was really interesting to see how the heroic figures could shift and um yeah and so I was just really moved by that and I didn't know what if how similar the show was going to be mm. but I knew that I wanted to work with Hamish desperately after I read them I was like god I want to work with this guy he's he's so smart yeah. <laughs> you know so that was really exciting well congratulations I'm I'm glad it panned out for you you do an excellent job <laughs> voicing the character it seems like it was tailored to you specifically, you just bring the character yeah. to life so well. And you talk about him being an everyman and kind of like the way the show just does a great job of endearing you to Barney first. Like you can sense something's not quite right in the, in the, in the home and the family life, but then you don't get the revelations that he's, he's trans or his attraction to um, Logan, I think comes, comes yeah. a little bit later on. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I liked that a lot. And it didn't feel like it was like a, you know, like right. for, for shock value, it felt like, okay, so we are establishing part of this character, but it's not some after school special episode or some like, 
you know, device for someone else's development. Sure. You know, it was, it was, um, this is part of Barney. It's definitely what he's going through. Also, mm-hmm. also he is just like a teen in love and who's like super duper bad at flirting. And also so into pro wrestling. that was the other thing that really drew me to him is that everyone I know who's really into pro wrestling is some of, are the most fun campy people and i was like i i know that guy nice. like you know I, and i was like i i want to be that guy <laughs> right on <laughs> i definitely envy barney's ability to talk to a group of friends though or <laughs> like make make new oh, friends yeah. i was in the middle of that episode <laughs> when you hopped on well yeah when i watched trust me the the i believe it's the third, third episode yeah. uh so you know they go through everybody's fears and i related to barney so much as a character because mm-hmm. I do think the nuances of what actually goes on in the house are not usually as simple as we love you. We don't love you, you know, Mm -hmm. because of this thing, it's more like, okay, we're trying, but are we, you know, the, the difference between being supportive and being tolerant, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, And I thought that was really neat, but I, the part I could not get my head around, it was like, you know, when he just like takes a deep breath and walks through his fear, I was like, you know, man, um, I think it's really, really cool to see a trans guy do that. Cause I think, Mm -hmm. and in a room of, transmasculine people and we're all hella anxious (laughs) so i was like this is awesome and i and i think you know when you grow up and want to look a certain way maybe you like hold yourself back Mm -hmm. that we have to work on it i don't want to project or speak for everybody that was my experience and then so seeing that character was really amazing but i have not completely unlearned all the things that i have learned to like hold in so it was like i relate to you and also i have horrible social anxiety (laughs) so like you know, so I, I I try to take a little piece of Barney with me when I go to a party because I don't know how to that's do awesome. it otherwise. And it's actually that's, like yeah, the really cool. the experience that Barney went through early on, like that level of character development within just three episodes, because he talks about how he is socially anxious and, you know, he's just kind of chilling on the bus, like looking at the weirdo next to him. And he's the the dialogue about being in a space where he can just be himself and be open and just is just super comfortable and taking that level of comfortability and just be like, these people don't know me like I'm setting the impression right now. So I'm just going to chill and be comfortable and just ride that. Like that was just beautiful to see in like literally two and a half episodes. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm a big horror fan myself. So I really appreciate how the series finds this balance between like the animation style and the characters being super cute and adorable, but then it also delivers on, on some of the scares. So I wanted to ask you, are you a fan of horror or like while it like has this like kind of balance cutesy versus macabre, is there one that appeals to you a little bit more so than the other? Yeah. Um, well, I, I love horror comedy. I like, camp, okay. but I, I do really, really like being scared. So I just started the new stranger things season. I'm a little late. I, was okay. to I haven't started it. I'm waiting for the boys to be over first. Yeah. Um, but I, I just was like, right off the bat, I was like, I'm gonna like this season because it's more, it's got more horror in it. I mm. love being scared. I don't know what it is. When I was a kid, I did not like horror. Okay. Um, and I think like when things got a little tough at home, I was like, oh, maybe just like nothing is that scary. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> and that sounds grim. You know? Sure. I, I, it sounds very grim. I'm very fortunate. I have very positive relationships with my family now, but cool. there was a you know, rough time as I think a lot of people go through, uh, when there's shifts in families, but sure. Uh, I think that something in me like really shifted where like other things for the first time in my life felt really scary. Mm. So I got really into horror and I've always, even prior to that really enjoyed 
observing things that scare me. I've always been really afraid of octopus. And now I'm like fascinated by them. I have interesting art there. And like interesting. Tattoo. So all to say, I love horror like a lot, but I do think it pairs very well with comedy for a reason. And I really desire to see more stuff that manages to both scare the crap out of me and then also make me laugh, but like truly scare me. You know what I mean? Like I, I, that's my favorite type of horror comedy is something that makes me laugh. And then like genuinely freaks me out. Mm-hmm. And, and I think okay. it can be hard to achieve that. Mm. Yeah. I'm very open about being, I'll just be blunt. I'm a little when it comes to horror stuff. I mean, do you have to like really invite me to go to a movie <laughs> to see it? Um, I, I was actually like a little yeah. uncomfortable when I started this episode. And I was telling Jay Scotty <laughs> off air is that um, it reminded me of Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy back in the day. Mm. And when mm. that show came on, yeah. I was just watching Cartoon Network. I was actually home alone that night and it just came on and I built a fort and I hid in there because I was just so terrified of something as simple as that. Um, but while I don't yeah. actually like go out of my way to watch horror things like um, Drag Me to Hell were stuff that like was just like the perfect level of horror. And then having Sam Raimi doing something like in Multiples of Madness, like the, the S- it's when you have like the creepy horror within comedy or within good storytelling, it's a lot more tolerable, but like horror for the sake of horror. Nah, not my wheelhouse one bit. <laughs> totally fair. Well, I, I, I hear you. Cause you know, in, in the Sam Raimi vein, like the old, I think it's the second evil dead movie, which I think is technically a remake or it's more or less like the first one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Cause I think there was like the original and then there was one right directly after um, that, but whatever the- that, are you talking about Evil Dead 2 or the remake by Fetty Alvarez? No, the Evil Dead 2. Oh, okay. Where it was like the older one. Yeah, okay. but it was... Um, I I just really enjoyed it um, for that exact reason, which is like, it sort of felt like an in-between. And even though I really liked being terrified as a kid, I think something felt different between I am like afraid and I am looking at a thing I'm afraid of versus like I'm watching a movie to deliberately be scared. Mm-hmm. So I really relate to both experiences of being a horror fan and then also being a little bit <laughs> um, I have been both and am both. <laughs> um, I just sometimes subject myself to misery because I really enjoy it. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I get that. And I, I think making it accessible, I mean, that's why horror is cool. Cause like you can have movies that are lightly scary and then you can have movies that are so scary. And I think both of them qualify as horror. Cause I think the goal of horror isn't necessarily to always scare. It's also to comment. It's to, um, create horrific scenes or thought provoking. I mean, Ari Aster is such an interesting director oh, writer for that. I yeah. love Ari Aster yeah. so much. I love everything the man's done. <laughs> I struggled no, yeah. for the longest time. Do I like hereditary better? Do I like Midsommar better? And I think hereditary takes the cake just a little bit for me, but even um, yeah. the short film he did, the what was it? The, uh, thing about the joneses have you seen that one the youtube no. short oh I didn't watch it. yeah that, I one's, that, that one's wild uh yeah uh, well and i i give him credit he's put to screen feelings i've never been able to articulate um hmm. at the beginning of midsummer when um florence Pugh is like really trying to be like something's wrong and nobody's yeah. listening i've been there i've yeah. also been the the guy who's been like oh this person's going through something and i don't have like an exit out of this relationship oh, like i sure. feel very mm-hmm. and i think it felt so uh, ineffable, like being like, oh, the feeling of being trapped in either um, nobody can hear me or I have to be here for this person, even though it might not. You know what I mean? Like, it's sure. such a specific experience. And I was like, I've never seen it. So and I just think he has like a way 
of putting upset <laughs> feelings on the screen yeah. that I am like, so drawn to. I would kill yeah. to be in this project. I think he's like a brilliant, brilliant director and writer. And yeah. I really enjoy watching something that twisted. Um, but my point was going to be, um, I didn't experience hereditary, for example, while there are moments that scared the shit out of me, okay. it wasn't a movie where the whole time I was like, I'm scared. It was more like I am in dread. And I thought that was interesting because that was still horrific, even though there weren't elements of jump scares and stuff like that going on. Sure. And so I do think that's kind of interesting. Or like my roommate uh, is a really big fan of it and like doesn't okay. like horror movies at all, but that like there's something about the story that still really felt accessible in spite yeah. of that. So I just think it's neat that horror can do that. Yeah. It's it's interesting because I've been on record on this podcast with my relationship with it. It's been very up and down. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was three years old when the, uh, it had been out for a few years, but the nineties TV movie with Tim Curry, yeah, I, yeah. I walked out while my parents were watching it way too young and was absolutely traumatized and yeah. then watched again when I was 18 and kind of had the laugh at myself for being as scared of it as I was. But then when the 2017 movie came out, I just found myself fascinated all over again. I wanted to, I read the book. I wanted to see the movie opening night. And, you know, I, I do think chapter two maybe suffered under the the weight and felt a little bloaty and unwieldy, but that, that first chapter one was just so well done. Yeah. It's the only um, film or television adaption that I have like really enjoyed. I mean, cause I love Stephen King and he's another one where I'm like, yeah, I feel a lot of dread sometimes when sure. misery used to be like a book that I loved a lot. And mm. the movie is incredible. Kathy Bates, like yeah. brilliant. Um, Oscar worthy. Yeah. No, like what a dream role to be able to play like a horror villain and be like, yeah, yeah. like in the Oscar conversation, like that's crazy. Um, right. You know, given horror record and the Oscars, especially um, unfortunately, <laughs> um, cause yeah. you know, someone like Tony Collette should have like, you know Travesty. what I mean? Like I, Justice for Tony Collette. Um, But I just, I really liked it. Chapter one, I also struggled with it. Chapter two for probably very similar reasons. It felt like there was so much that could have been removed and it would have been quality. But yeah, uh, I I highly agree. It's it's a piece of media that's sort of gone through it in and out. And um, I'm glad there was something really, really remarkable that came out of it. And also something really, really goofy on several occasions. Right, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. so it's, I don't have an easy transition for this one. So I'll just do another hard pivot here. But uh, yeah. being that the, the the cartoon, the animated series here, uh, Dead in Paranormal Park takes place in a theme park. I wanted to ask, are you a big theme park junkie? Do you like roller coasters? And if so, do you have a favorite? Yeah, so I, my, I am like the weirdest person about roller coasters. I like okay. them a lot. I've really enjoyed going on them. I it just depends on the year you ask me. Like there okay. are times when I feel so anxious, like because my anxiety, the worst I get it is like around like the way my body feels. Oh, sure. So like, uh, and I, my brother was just teaching me, he's a psychologist teaching me about the vagus nerve and that's where I feel it all. It's like right under my solar plex. Oh, and like, okay. yeah. I'm like on a day when I go to a theme park with that, I'm like, it's not happening today. Cause the whole time I'm going to think I'm going to die. But when I am in the mood for them, they're my favorite thing in the world. I love the way it feels to go off a drop. And and most of the time I can still have fun if I'm on them, even if I'm feeling a little funky. But like, mm. I do think that they kind of fall into the horror place of like, oh, like there's so much weird, horrible anticipation, but the payoff is really wonderful. Mm. Um, and also, I, I think I was one of those sick kids who like read so much about like horrible accents on roller oh, coasters. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, that I was like, 
Okay, so I'm going to go on them, but there are certain ones I'll never go on. Like, I'm so picky. Yeah. Um, but my favorite growing up, so there's a Six Flags uh, in Gurney Mills, which is like an hour, a little less than an hour away from where I grew up. And, um, okay. Or something long. It's been a while. Uh, and there's a roller coaster called Raging Bull, which used to be the, like, big ride there. I think they've built something called, like, X-Wing that's kind of taken, not Star Wars related, but, like, that's taken uh, the, that's been sort of the buzzy one. But, like, okay. I really enjoyed that ride because it, it's very just like classic giant steel coaster like huge drop okay and then everything else and that there's it does the classic like fake drop drop i mean it's just oh, like yes. very, i love it i love it yeah and uh but i love an indoor coaster a lot like okay. rock and roll roller coaster, one of my favorite rides uh i love tower of terror oh, nice. um yeah and i love twilight zone so that like themed that w- that's always been like my favorite theme i'm really glad they kept the twilight of- Twilight Zone theme in the Disney World one. They replaced it in the Disneyland one, though, in California. Hmm. I took my cousin on his first roller coaster at Universal. It was one of the Harry Potter ones where two dragons take off at the same time. So you pick like oh, which yeah, dragon you want to ride. And it was his first, like my first one was front row. So it's like his obviously had to be. And the amount of times that he tried to sneak away and run in the middle of that like two hour line, <laughs> I had to like keep my hand on him to make sure that he goes like, no, we're doing this. And of, of course, you started feeling a little better when, like, the couple that was getting on with us, like, the girl was pretty hot. Uh, so the, she wanted to sit in the middle. He wanted to sit in the middle. And he was like, oh, okay, maybe I can do this now. It's like, whatever helps. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's the only yeah. time that I've been on a roller coaster outside of Virginia. But Bush Gardens, King's Dominion, all the stuff over here. It's like, once I, I finally went, it's right. like, I have to be front row now because it's like, that you can't beat that experience when that was your first time everything's got to be front row yeah are you um are you based at i i went to school in nova so i oh, okay. did the king's dominion yeah now I'm, I'm in the um, virginia beach area but i was in richmond for a short okay. time so that's when uh i would always do like the halloween towns in king's dominion because those were so much fun and of course like i just said that i'm a little but for some reason like going through the 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 horror mazes like that was so much fun for me i'd be shivering yeah. the whole time but I don't, I'm, I don't understand my relationship with horror yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. I think that's, I think that's really universal. <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, I, I went to high school in Nova, so I got to go to a few theme parks out there. But uh, I, there was also a really cool haunted maze in Maryland that um, I never really got to do at Kaleva Farms that I still to this day want to go do that I have to do. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I am like in and out of whether or not I like it. And some days I'm like, you couldn't make me do a roller coaster or a thing that scares me mm. i'm too tired yeah. <laughs> too anxious but there are days when i'm like it's all i want to do yeah i'm assuming nova is north virginia yep yes all right oh, yeah no, 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 no yeah. worries <laughs> I, I, yeah as opposed I, to the science program yeah no, nova. you're you're good i spent a little time in virginia myself and uh in the maryland area right outside of dc and whatnot so i myself have been to king's dominion and, and bush gardens yeah. and williamsburg and all that but i don't remember specific rides as well. But um, a yeah. couple of things you, you brought up when talking about that anxiety before getting on a roller coaster, I realized in retrospect, the perfect transition would have been to bring up the Final Destination series and ask if, you, if you've seen yeah. that because I've got a lot of love for Final Destination 3 and that roller coaster scene. Final Destination yeah. 2 always gets the the recognition with the log, uh, the log yeah. truck and whatnot, which is a, a great scene. But uh, when you mentioned that uh, your, your brother... Uh, mentioning the the vagus nerve uh i that's one thing i can relate to a lot i experience a lot of anxiety it might not be in the same um context per se but i i do experience a lot of anxiety and one thing that's really been helping me is 
is meditation and breathing. And there's the uh, poly polyvagal technique where, you know, you, you breathe in for four seconds and exhale for eight seconds. And it just really helps you find your center. Have you, have you found coping skills like that? Or what, what are some of your other coping skills? Yeah. Breathing's the big one. I mean, yeah. yeah. Cause I was going to say that like, yeah, in for four, hold, sometimes hold for eight, like right. or hold for someone really straight. It's yeah. awesome. Like I, that changed the game for me. Cause I was yeah. really like, um, I, the first time I learned about it was called a heart math and it was like very mm-hmm. like in for four, out for four. And it was rad, but I like, when I got older and anxiety became more of a central problem, like I agree, like doing meditative exercises was such a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been really fascinated by some of the practices I've never tried to do, but, um, uh, I'm trying to remember the names of them, like Wim Hof and stuff like that. I mean, there are some people who really swear by like the way breathing can like change your capacity to feel things. And I sure. was one of those really obstinate people who was like and and I for on my life like fully believed that physical anxiety existed but was convinced what I was feeling was a deadly disease mm-hmm. I was right. like oh, someday they'll do a cat scan and be like you this is why you get like tummy aches and like hives mm-hmm. and you know and then my and I my honest guy I think my therapist was turning gray being like hey maybe it's anxiety and I was like nah <laughs> I'm ill <laughs> um and you know and then one day I was like, well, you know, I'm kind of miserable. So I'm just going to try it. You know, I'm going to try some of his suggestions and like get on. And then I found a psychiatrist and got an anxiety medication. And I was like, oh, um, he may have had a point. You know, <laughs> so it was interesting. Body anxiety is one of those ones that doesn't get enough. You know, we, we, we've gotten slowly, progressively better at talking about mental health. But I sure. think it's the extra step is being like, and that is still a body experience. You know, it's, sure. it's um, and uh, it's one of those things where, I, it took me a really long time to understand that they were so deeply connected. So mm. I didn't value breathing. I didn't value, you know, those kinds of exercises for a really long time. And it wasn't because I was like, these doctors are idiots. I was just like, yeah. I'm different. Like, there's there's got to be like a specific physical thing that I need to be fixated on right now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, there's no way. I still remember the first time that I had like, like my first like bad panic attack. Like I was like, these are all the symptoms of a heart attack. Like I'm actually having a heart attack at like 19 right now or however mm, yeah. old I was. And then it's just like, you think right. about it afterwards and you like recur that thing over and over. And it's like, there's no way I have this many heart attacks. <laughs> like I should be dead by now. <laughs> it must be something else. Right. And yeah. then, uh, no, exactly. After starting martial arts, I think that was kind of like when I started really understanding the importance of breathing, uh, especially with jujitsu. Cause if you don't have your breathing right, like you'll recognize it real quick. Uh, so like taking those kind of like forced, scenarios where it's like you have to breathe otherwise like it's actually going to feel like your lungs are crushing because a 300 pound dude is sitting on you um so like understanding all of that like you start thinking about like how to use it and how to like intentionally do it and i know this part's going to sound silly but like one of my friends has been talking about like chakras and stuff a lot lately so i found a book that was like pretty well written out and it was really fascinating because like depending on which chakra you're trying to fix there's breathing practices for that one so it's like if this is an issue in your life and you're having anxiety then you breathe like from your chest more for this and your stomach more from this and like so it's like the exercise is the same as in for four out for eight but it's like focusing on like where you're inhaling and how all that part like changes and it's it's just super fascinating like demon slayer is really adding importance to different breathing and how important it is but like whatever it takes to just understand like Hey, just take like 10 minutes out to just sit down and breathe. Like Apple watches have all the breathing features and it's so hard. It's so easy to get access to just breathing techniques. And it makes such a big difference in people's lives. 
hundred percent. And I'm glad you said the Demon Slayer thing. I am uh, just starting season two. Right. So, um, but you I can listen I, to us I for think, every episode if you want to while you're watching. Oh, I will. Yeah. Um, I I think um, the fascinating thing is for so long because I'm not a naturally like driven to athletics or working out or anything. I was like, well, I got to learn all of this independent of that. And I found that I don't have to be like a highly physical person, especially because, you know, there's loads of people whose physical ability is varied, but like that there are ways to isolate where in your body you're feeling things Mm -hmm. without, you know, with or without that. And like, I started working out recently and and I have no, by no means a gym head or anything like that. But I will say like, one of the nice things, and you were talking about that with your martial arts experience, like learning the importance of breath is so massive. And yeah, I like, that's one of my favorite things about Demon Slayer is I'm like, this is just like, this is just like, you know, working through your demons. It's so, I mean, you know, but like, it's so like, yeah, breathe through it, you know, kind of vibes. And I, I really enjoyed it. So I, 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 I really do think it's really fun that we're talking about this. Cause it's like, <laughs> I do think it's one of those things that we all kind of have. And um, yeah. And I just like the first thing you learn, like when you're a kid is like, if something's hot, don't touch it, but you don't, have to <laughs> yeah, yeah. you don't lesson on when you when you get like you know a weird feeling under your solar flex how do you deal with Mm -hmm. it you know sure um but it does feel really basic and very human and if you have a single bad experience in your life you know complex trauma exists like even if it's really minor like you might need to learn those tools Mm -hmm. you know and it should be you know knowledge but it is interesting in that way that it takes us time to get there yeah and i have to imagine i know from my own experience having like some familiarity with like breath control has to you know feed into your your voice acting have you have you found that to be the case and do you ever like try certain types of breathing to enhance maybe a feeling that the your character is supposed to be experiencing in that moment yeah you know I'm very physical so when I'm recording I'm always like leaping around I I did a song for a show recently uh just like one episode I did on this animated show and uh the (laughs) guy who wrote the song was like we were recording it and he was like and at one point I was having a really hard time with the note and I like shot my hand up and like <laughs> hit it. And he was like, nice. you, you, you know, you've proven the age old thing that if you raise your hand, you can sing higher, which is bullshit. But it's like one of those things <laughs> where it's like, sometimes you need to like, sometimes playing pretend is like really true. Like that is like how our bodies work. Too. I mean, Certainly. just to speak more to the like connection that like when you imagine you can go up, sometimes you like, you know, you kind of subconsciously like get rid of whatever is holding you're holding on to in your muscles that's preventing mm-hmm. you from doing it. Sometimes it is in your range and you just don't believe it is. Right. And so in that way, yeah, I'm learning that physicality is such a big part of it. And with Barney in particular, our director at one point was like, I don't think I've had to instruct people on being squeezed or like pulled as much as I have to do on this show. I mean, there's so <laughs> much physicality and, and, and so many things happening in the show that are mm. so like, so not things that happen in real life. Right. So it's interesting because you're playing pretend in your head and I think it's fun I have always really wanted to be in a like who framed Roger Rabbit style movie because my dream is like doing the voice and then also like communicating with it. I like I love the yeah. idea of that because like when it comes to like breath and like playing with that like yeah you, you have to like so be able to be like okay what does it feel like to be this and then also what does it feel like to be like projecting at something this far away from you you know you, sure. you yell you use this much air when you're talking to someone across the room. And when you're doing animation, like it would be so interesting. They give us a direction like, um, okay, you're leaving. So make it sound like you're leaving. And that's so like, that's so, um, it's so whatever. It's so inane almost on some level. Like, what does it mean to like make it sound like you're leaving? Cause I'm not going to walk away from the microphone. They need me to be near it to record, but there is a difference in like 
bye versus yeah. like hi you know what i mean like there's such a difference in like i'm walking away as opposed to like bye you know there's so it's interesting like those kinds of things are so fascinating and i i love the idea of having to do that yeah both in person and also like behind a microphone <laughs> i don't know what kind of studio questions i was gonna ask but you just like you scratched the itch of like stuff i was curious about in the room <laughs> Well, just at the mention of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, I have to ask, did you see the new movie Rescue Rangers Chippendale? Okay, no, okay. but it's only because uh, I just like time-wise haven't made this big. Sure. I really do because I've seen so many people talking about it and so many like mixed opinions. Okay. I really like I love mixed media, so I think I'll enjoy it. But I do, I think it's like the funniest fandom because yeah. like people online have had such strong responses to some of the like canon of it. Mm-hmm. Um and I am like really interested in seeing like because apparently what's her name is like married to the uh, fly or oh, whatever. Gadget, and Gadget's married yes, to Gizmo. Or... And, and or yeah, and I was like, this is so interesting to see how people are reacting to it. Cause just for <laughs> me, it's not even be like important. I just be like, yeah, that's a choice they made. Like sure. interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at it analytically from like a creative standpoint. Like, oh, I wonder why they like did that. But like, I saw people online being like, that's so. F- <laughs> and I was like, "What?" They were like, "One of them's a fly, and one of them's like a a rodent." Like that doesn't work. And I was like, "Why? Why do you care?" But also, I get it. Like you know, like but I love that people care, and so I I really enjoyed. Um, so I gotta watch it because I have to yeah. form an opinion. Uh, I try one of those people who doesn't speak too much on things I haven't seen. Although I love sure. like reading about something and being mad, but I am trying to resist. You know, the urge. Yeah, without spoiling anything, it sounds like you, you've done a little bit of reading, but I, I just, anytime I've talked about it, I just have to describe it as like the spiritual successor to Who Framed Roger Rabbit in, in so many ways. Oh, right just having, you know, the live action characters with the animated characters. And this, like, we're in just a golden age of animation, so they get to embrace all these various animation styles. It's it's really great as a fan of animation. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to, yeah, I guess I, that's going to push me to get there faster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Zuhair mentioned uh, the, the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Uh, Demon Slayer also came up. Uh, for my own purposes, this show, I, I feel stylistically, kind of reminds me of Steven Universe. Uh, thematically, I, I feel some connectivity to Gravity Falls. Uh, but I wanted to ask, like, what are some of your favorite cartoons? If it's not, like, work-related, what do you just like to, you know, tune in um, to tune well, out? Yeah, no, I grew up with adult animation pretty early. I have okay. three older brothers, so okay. I was very, like, whatever they watched. But I also, by that, if if that were a rule I followed, then I would have, like, a compulsive obsession with Dragon Ball Z. Because two of my brothers, I have three <laughs> older brothers, and two of them are um, just, like, the biggest nerds about it. Which is wonderful, because I actually really enjoy watching it. But they, like, cool. until they were in their 20s, would sit at the table like this and be like, you're dead. And the other one would be like, no, I saw you. And like, it was so stupid. And I would be like, this is like show stuff. And they were like, no, this is based on who's seen more episodes. That's how powerful. <laughs> one of them had graduated college. I was like, do you have to have time for this? Like, I don't know. It was so crazy. But I get it because I'm like that with stuff too. So I grew up with like uh, the old X-Men and then a lot of adult animation and then Dragon Ball Z and some light, you know, stuff here and there. I was like a pretty big fan of Avatar when it was on television. Not done a rewatch, although I should have one that was kind of everybody was doing it and then um uh in terms of like the kids cartoons and stuff like i was a huge yeah powerpuff girls courage the cowardly dog billy and mm. mandy like i kind of the odd off kilter ones i love <laughs> yeah 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon, particularly Aria Monster, Ray Arnold. Oh, um, good one. Uh, the other Nickelodeon, yeah, uh, Invader Zim, like stuff like that. Like I really loved the like kind of vaguely science fictiony, or you know, uh, I guess Hey Arnold kind of slice of life okay. mix in those two. Um, so yeah, you know, I I in particular Courage Coward the Dog had a really huge. Re- impact on me and it almost reminds me a little bit of Ari Aster of the dog being like there's something very um grim about being like hey there's something insane happening outside and no one can understand me because I'm a dog right very um feels so much like um Florence Pugh being like hey I think something's I know that's like an insane parallel but like I I think that similar part of my brain you know (laughs) blew my mind with that comparison I love it yeah I feel like Um, that show was the reason I'm very iffy about horror (laughs) when i was in high school i remember being like god i love that show i can't really think of the episodes right now and someone was like return the slab and i was like okay i can remember that <laughs> remember the animation it was like very 3d um, oh yeah it had a lot of 3d object you know components like it was so weird and like freaky and i was like oh that like lives in my brain and then yeah. now i'm like i had like a late life anime awakening um so i'm like full force uh prepping one of my favorite questions right now yeah attack on titan fan um love demon slayer jujutsu kaisen jujutsu kaisen like in particular the new stuff as well as hyatt's family i just got into um yeah i'm really really liking i just made my day it's so good it's so funny i just Um, wasn't expecting that level of comedy (laughs) yeah um i've been watching a little bit of jojo's uh as well as um uh, what's the other one? Oh, I watched One Punch Man just to kind of like watch nice. the angle of the satire kind of, you know. And so I, I really like it. I think it's um, interesting. I like the like shonen thing, but the slice of life thing is p- pretty interesting as well. I'll have to watch the like Yuri stuff soon because my roommates like it. And, it sounds like you would yeah, like so Suba. It, cool. Yeah, it's been recommended. All right. Um, so here's so I'm gonna... here's my big question for you. Yeah. What is your Mount Rushmore of anime? You mean like toughest to or like but like biggest bad, best or like if you could carve a character from your favorite anime into a mountain who would those oh, oh i see i see it doesn't have to be the character oh, I... it just has to be the show yeah i for a second it's i did mount everest in my head and i was like what is the biggest anime <laughs> uh yeah um i mean i think attack on titan just has a very special place in my heart because i really like am so what i just rewatched the first episode recently to introduce it to a friend and um the seeds they planted like i mm-hmm. understand that it, when you write a manga that's like a little bit easier to do but like um i also really like it because the adaptions they've made in the later seasons um it feels like they're understanding like how to say something like i really like a show that is like mindful of the commentary it's making mm-hmm. and it's not like aggressively so i mean it, there's a lot to unpack there it's about like omnicide i don't know it's like all complex sure. it's like all very yeah. dark in this most recent season without spoiling anything but like uh on a more like subtle note like kind of the stuff they do with like emir and like i don't know i just really enjoy that mm-hmm. they've like shifted a couple just like minor things like the agency that certain characters have like who makes a decision and how it happens and stuff is like slightly different and that feels really intentional and mm-hmm. then on top of that the way that things have been woven in from the beginning yeah um and part of it is that I think I was just longing for an epic. So I don't know if I'll feel this way forever, yeah. but like, um, 
my dog's named after Levi. So I, I nice. just like, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big scout, like Levi, uh, Ervin kind of, you know, fan. <laughs> and right I love the, like the, like, you know, give up on your dreams and die speech. So yeah, I'm, 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 a, I'm as of right now, but I am right, so, fully aware. So Levi's face is on there. What are the other three? Yes. Yeah. I would say that. So Levi, um, and then, uh, Gojo probably from Jujutsu okay. just because like a more recent one, and then I think um, ooh okay uh, I'm gonna put uh, Nezuko okay <laughs> silent, <laughs> silent, silent like silent heroine like huh? kick ass like child like rocks um, and uh, and then there's a character in um in uh, in One Punch Man, who I who's like not the protagonist, and he's like he's like okay, so he's a character that um is a highly ranked hero, and he's um but he's like actually like power like he can't like he's, oh like, a yeah, what's that guy's name? King, yeah, thing whatever, and uh but he like really likes video games, yeah, and like particularly the ones that are like meant for girls, and I I don't know why, but that like spoke to my soul, um that him and then like him and um uh what's his name like that they like play video games together and that um he plays so that he can win because he's not able to do it in real life and then that um uh why am I blanking on his name but but that uh one punch man uh that he like plays because he loses and he can't lose in real life I I like love the like I am like I find it mundane to be successful um it's Saitama it's king right king is the name of it and and I was thinking they like they play each other for different reasons because like King really likes to like win because he can't. Is this realize, season two? Because like, I haven't gotten that far yet. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, okay, I gotcha. just like, yeah. And it's such a it's a very niche pick, but I think like watching because I've gotten into anime all at once. Uh-huh. Um, watching like a show that is so like meant to be like it's so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then watching characters who have so much heart in spite of that, like mm-hmm. that, like really like are like oh like I'm trying to find something I don't have mm-hmm. in real life, which is such a thing that like video games and media do for people yeah. like is so like it really like hit me i was like oh these characters rock because like yeah the action is like so much of the show but like i love that they're just like vibing and playing video mm-hmm. games um and like looking for power in these like little places because that feels so true of like i don't know for you guys but like for me that's how i feel about media mm. and um and why i made it my career you know and in that like so and like playing an avatar in like a game taught me how to like know what I wanted to express myself like so I think there's so much value in that mm. and I like so I think those are my very niche and specific <laughs> carvings um I guess you know Levi less so but but you know the others were I was you know trying to pick something a little, little bit different. <laughs> yeah video game wise I was obsessed with RuneScape growing up but like the the theater has always been my happy place like you can take me to the shittiest movie but the the idea that you need to have everything off, keep your mouth shut and just be immersed in somebody else's story for half an hour. And then just live in your brain for potentially the rest of your life is just something that's so cool. And that's why I love star Wars and the MCU and any like elongated story, or just even that one story is just kind of like, it doesn't even need a sequel, but I just love everything about it. And I love that it gave me the option to think about these things more, but to give you my rush more real quick, if this has been sitting like yes, this please. for a couple of years, it's always been dragon ball Z Naruto, my hero academia and demon slayer. Those have been like my, resting for right now i think jujutsu kai is an attack on titan of like honorable mention but they haven't quite hit like 
the level and the capacity and the relatability that like those four shows have hit for me so far. Yeah. And then there's a lot of classics in there. I have to do Academia and that in one piece I find really intimidating because of the sheer amount of episodes. But yeah. I think like I, I at some point I'm gonna have to bite the bullet because I, I do really want to get into it. And I, I, I think it'll be it's the you have to know certain things to like have conversations with people that are like into the into the medium and every time I talk to someone about anime, they're like, okay, well talk to me when you watch, you know, one piece, uh, death note. And like, and I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> I, I do, you know, don't, don't, don't gatekeep, but also, yes, I, I will, you know, cause I, I do want to honor the, like, there is, there are people who've been doing it for a lot longer than yeah. me. And like, I had to like sift through like to know what the classics were. Cause they, they became that way because a fandom emerged and globally. And yeah, so I, I don't know. And I loved hearing that demon slayer, the movie did so well in japan because i was like oh i i like love animation getting its due you know yeah. and i love seeing that in, in any you know whatever subsection of animation it is like i thought it was so kick-ass the, that it was like one of the best the jujutsu kaisen yeah. movie was so amazing too like i'm i'm so on board with this being a trend of just like kick-ass season one's movie to pick it up get all that money to just have the budget to like animate continuously right yeah yeah and i wish i wish we had that kind of thing i don't know if it's like unique to japan but like i wish that animation had that treatment here sometimes because i like i there are so many shows i wish had the budget Mm -hmm. that they could and i and i myself our show included but like i wish that like i know how many hands have to go on to it like i've now i know firsthand how many when i when the show came out when dead on came out i started seeing all these posts from all these animators and i was like okay so there's location designers there's like, you know, I can't even list. There's so many people. There are people who did all the 3D elements. They did like, sure. and there weren't really any in the show, but they still had to do 3D models. They built a fully functioning park, like stuff like wow. that. I know how many people touch a project. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I understand that it is really hard to pay all, everybody a lot of money. And I understand that it's complex, but I wish that we valued animation enough to do it. Because it is just, I mean, we give millions and millions of dollars to these like drama epics, period yeah. epics stuff on television and i just gotta say like there are animes that have like better storytelling than any live action I've oh yeah seen. And sure 100 if we gave that same amount of care and attention we could do that too but it's you know it's it's we have to shift the culture i'm happy to see like guillermo del toro really like going to bat for animation so i'm really oh, hoping yeah. like more hell yeah big direct want to invest time into animation that'll hopefully help yeah that's how yeah. this podcast got started is that there's so much good animated content out there and like me and just got were like talking to people in like these video calls about it and so it's one of those things where it's like you got to overlook the fact that like cartoons are for kids because this is just a, a medium. Mm. This these aren't cartoons. These are really good stories. It started yeah. off with like Young Justice and the amazing storytelling that they do and the universe building that they do, and then eventually like the who I call Papa Panda, like the head of the Stranded Panda Network, was like, "Why don't you guys start a show on animation?" Like that's the goal mm. of it is like to get people to understand that these amazing stories are out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's what I love about animation. The only real limitations to animation other than budgets and people's preconceptions is your imagination. So Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, yeah, wherever you want to go with it, you can tell any story um, through multiple visual elements, uh, voice acting, it all all comes together just to create a pleasing aesthetic. So we love it here. And uh, it's been a wonderful conversation. Definitely great to pick your brain a little bit. I do want to be respectful to your time. So I got one more question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, please, please. Yeah, I got one more quick question for you. Um, Back to the studio. So Barney, Norma, and Badia have been like my absolute favorite characters. 
And then I was super shocked to see that Emily Osment was who was playing Courtney. Uh, it's just y'all's you, you just do a great job. I don't know how like how else to like break it down. It's just so much fun to listen to the inflections, the conversations, all of it is great. Do you have a favorite person to work with or favorite person to bounce off of? Or it's like when you watch this again, was it somebody like, wow, that person like really killed it on that? So interesting thing, because we did it during the lockdown, uh, we didn't really get to work together, which was a bummer. Mm. And I, I, I'm going to be honest, like, I don't know with a, a streaming platform uh, recordings, how they do them. Like, I don't know if they do like same room recordings or how they normally we got to do a table read together and i was really, oh, really? really blown away by everybody i'm gonna be honest like i was the only person in the room where i was like i don't know if i should be here and i don't <laughs> not to, like make myself small but i was just like really i mean alex brightman is a theater um like he's he, he's like a genius like he he there's a reason why people like rave about him as beetlejuice um right you know um coco peru is a, like a, a like long seasoned career drag queen with, sure. with like a massive personality yeah um Cody has done so much animation has like such a beautiful clear voice does so much like tactful nuanced acting as normal a character that is like has so many specific like idiosyncrasies to like capture sure. and, and then like emily like okay that one really gagged me because i was like like i was like i don't know who's gonna play her like yeah. i read the comments has to be someone really like chaotic and goofy and I thought we were gonna get someone like I didn't know we would get anybody that I would know um or that I like would recognize as playing a role that I couldn't associate and then they were like it was Emily Osmond I was like what and then <laughs> yeah. I it and I was like yeah obviously that's right I yeah. could not hear anybody else doing it and I heard I was talking my only tidbit of you know background so I Annie who is our um Netflix exec that we uh, I guess was working with Hamish and stuff I didn't really mm. get to be part of that but we all watched the show together because not many of us are based out of LA. So when it came out, Cody, um, myself, a couple other writers, Jen Rebarden, um, or uh, sorry, Jen, Jen Bardakoff and uh, Mia Rizella and myself, um, as well as Annie, we all uh, watched together. And it was really fun to get some background information like sometimes Annie would be like oh yeah we changed the color of that thing because I said it looked too much like a bloody deer fetus or you know like <laughs> it was really funny to like hear how wow. the conversations went and that there were like fights over the sm- not fights but like passionate feelings about little sure. things that like, they happen so quickly and you're like oh that's brilliant that you put so much time into it it makes such a difference if it wasn't there the show wouldn't be as good but it just happens like that you know not mm-hmm. everybody picks it up and so one of the ones that made me laugh was when I was hearing about how they casted that part um, I guess there was some like discussion and I think one of the big reasons that Emily ended up getting it in addition to giving like a top tier performance was like she wanted it so badly and like was so excited about the character and you could totally tell when the show came out and we haven't really gotten to know each other at all but I've been okay. such a fan following her on Twitter seeing like how much she loved it because I was like you know when a person has a name like the Osment last name right. you, you really hope they're gonna <laughs> promote right. your project and and yeah. the fact that she wanted to and seemed to love it so much was really really cool that's so um, neat, yeah. you know again not everybody does that with animation not everybody cares sure. yeah. so that was really really cool yeah it's a great shout out she's absolutely unrecognizable in the role so yeah i, I was blown away when i found out it was emily osmond but in my own head canon i have nothing to base this on i just like to imagine given her older brother's uh you know pedigree for horror with the sixth sense she felt you know a little bit of yeah. pressure to bring it and and have a horror representation of her own and she absolutely kills it as does the entire cast so 
yeah, I thought it was, I think we just really struck lightning and I, I, if I get the fortune of doing what I want in my life and producing and writing the way I do, I really hope to like one day get to sit in a room with everybody and continue to work with them, um, you know, individually or all together. And, you know, you never know, but these are folks that I like the ones that I've gotten to get to know over social media, particularly Coco and Cody. And, Mm. um, like we've, you know, developed these friendships where it's like, Oh, I'm really excited to meet you. And when I got to meet Cody, I was so, so delighted that we just like get along and are so similar. Um, so yeah, it's really neat. I, the wonders of social media. I think that's the one part of it I can say without a doubt is cool. I mean, everything else is all complex and horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, um, (laughs) complex is the correct term. And, and, and that, um, so I, I do feel grateful that that came out of it. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for what's to come. So yeah. Uh, speaking to some of your aspirations with the future, with, with writing, producing, um, th- we're definitely very grateful for you, you know, giving us some of your time and being here and, and having this conversation with us. But I do want to open up the floor to you and, and let you use our platform to let the people know about what you have going on. If there's anything you can tease or if there's anything we can support, drive people to a certain uh, project or, or fundraiser or anything like that. Um, yes, I can't talk about a few things okay, uh, sure. I will share is, you know, I know not a lot of people who do audiobooks promote them because it's not like, it's not this, it's not conventional acting or voice sure. acting, even like reading a book, but I had the pleasure of working on this um, audiobook for Mason, Mason Devers. Like it's a young adult um, queer love book. And I just was like, Oh, this would have been so cool as a kid. So I more than anything, not even don't even have to listen to the audiobook by the book. Like it is so much fun. It's called the feeling of falling in love. And it's like, really fun uh main cool. character was like a lot of fun sarcastic um and then yeah i i can't talk about too much i will say i have some upcoming comedy shows um okay. if if folks are not in la and i post about them on my instagram so that's just my name zach barrick and okay um you know, if, if folks follow me i'll post about them and i'll probably uh be putting the videos up afterwards as well so i'm super excited um to do those it's been a sec since i've gotten to be on stage so that'll cool. be a lot of fun yeah right on sounds awesome yeah well, Zach, it was a genuine pleasure. Thank you again for being here. Zuhair, any, any final words for Zach? Yeah, man, just congratulations on your career and getting this far and being able to ride the wave of just something happening to fall in your lap. It's just amazing to hear. Uh, glad you're yeah. an anime nerd. If there's any ever a time that you just want to get on, like just to talk about anime, I'll happily join you on that. Like you're always welcome back here. You know how to reach us. Yeah. Just hit us up. And if you ever yeah, need absolutely. any uh, any small voice actress for anything, let us know. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Yeah, no, this was this was a pleasure. You guys were so much fun to talk to. Very cool. And I, I like talking to people who know a lot about the things they talk about. Right. It's like cool. <laughs> um, not that, you know, not everybody's, but like it's 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 neat because you guys like obviously really care and enjoy it as well as being mm. experts in it. So that's nice. And uh, th- thank you for having me. Striving experts. <laughs> <laughs> we're all working towards it. At the very it. least putting up. An excellent facade. <laughs> <laughs> We're all frauds, but That's nobody yeah. the best here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, have, have a great day, y'all. You, you as well. Thanks again. Okay. So to the listeners, uh, thank you for tuning in to this wonderful conversation we had. Did want to allow a little time at the end for some plugs. Zuhair, any final thoughts or anything you want to let the people know about? Uh, go back and check out our Baymax episodes because they were so much fun to do. We did our review of Big Hero 6. And then Baymax uh, itself, which was the sex. Wow, excuse me, six episodes miniseries. Um, one episode left of Miss Marvel on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. 
very sad it's coming to a close, but it's um, been a delight to talk about. Um, I will also be joining Matthew Fox on uh, superhero ethics to talk about Miss Marvel as well. So if you haven't cool. gotten sick of my voice yet, check that out. And then again with uh, 323 with Reed Murphy to talk about Washington Commanders and other sports stuff. And just, it's a delight. If you've heard me coughing a bunch, you can see that I'm really burning my throat out. But it's, it's <laughs> been so much fun to do and there's so much to talk about. And it really is that season of content. So yeah, tune into all that. Right on. It's a little bit lighter for me this week, so I will just point everyone to Stranded Panda, the network, the website, strandedpanda.com. Check out the family of wonderful shows that we have there. And if you like what we're doing here and want us to have guests like Zach back, uh, do me a favor and give us a five-star review wherever you listen to us. We definitely appreciate that. If you can rate us, uh, write in a review, that's tremendous for our visibility and growth on the numbers. And I think that'll do it for me. So Thanks again for tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. Stay whelmed. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. When running a business, dependable partners can make life a lot easier, especially when it comes to internet and technology. And with the largest, fastest, reliable network for small businesses, Comcast Business is the partner to rely on. Actual speeds vary. Call for details. At Kroger, we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at Kroger.com boost. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark.